You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? FA Nation, John and Pemby here. Andrew Cooper bringing you another Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 5. Coop, we're going to be talking some best ball wide receiver ADPs and talk a little bit of the lightning round fantasy football draft that we're going on, both partaking in right now. A uh, good show ahead of us. Before we jump right into it, how you been this last week? I think this is actually the first time that you've correctly remembered the uh, number episode wrong. I use my and, fingers. I use my and fingers. We're, five and we're only on five. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm impressed, man. And I'm doing really well this week. I've been, I was down at one of our, our sites in the... Uh, in a bit of a tough area, I do I do commercial real estate when I'm not doing this. So glad to be back up where I live now. So ready to do some football. Yeah, exactly. Stay safe, Coop. Let's go into some fantasy football talk here. And like I said, we're going to jump in to some best ball wide receiver ADPs. We already discussed uh, running back ADPs in a prior episode. We broke down my best ball draft last week. So it all kind of meshes together because we are in the middle of best ball season. I've already done a handful of drafts myself. Looking forward to doing plenty of more with you guys listening as well. We're going to start doing some uh, custom leagues there on underdog. Get everybody invites and do some best balls with Coop and I soon. But Coop, I think wide receiver is one of the more interesting positions going on right now based off where guys are going, the tier where guys are going, and with the sort of on-again, off-again strategy of zero RB, then a lot of these wide receivers become the core focal points of many rosters. So, you know, give me your impression here of some of the early guys going, you know, in the drafts at the wide receiver position. Yeah, so it seems like everybody has kind of caught on to the idea of, you know, get the elite RBs first, you know, elite QBs, elite tight ends. And it looks like uh, as of now, on average, which is kind of wild, there's only one wide receiver going in the first round based on the ADP. You know, obviously they do, you know, you'll sometimes you'll see uh, a couple go in the first round. Sometimes you'll see none of them in the first round. But on average, the only one that's going in the first round is Tyreek Hill in best ball. And that makes a lot of sense considering best ball is a format for you know anyone that hasn't listened to the episodes before or might not know. It Basically what it is is you, you get to draft all these guys and it automatically sorts them into your lineup based on who plays best that week. So you don't have to set a lineup in advance. There's no waivers. There's no trades. So a guy like Tyreek Hill, who can have really high boom weeks, but you know he's a field stretcher at times and can also have bad weeks. He's also injury prone. He's kind of the you know the perfect guy for this format. So I'm not surprised he's going first in this format. I do take him first, but I don't take him in the first round personally. I mean, what are your thoughts on Pimpa? Are you ever do you ever find yourself taking a, a wide receiver in the first round of a best ball? No, I haven't done it yet. Generally, been running backs for sure. I, I have taken wide receivers in the second round, and we'll touch upon that guy that I've had now in in a handful of my drafts in a moment. But no, I'm not really a first round wide receiver guy. And to your point, you know, the one thing with Tyreek Hill, well. You know, he is that boomer bust play. You know, if you look at the receiving options there in Kansas City, you know, target share is, you know, relatively consolidated between him and Travis Kelsey. You know, they don't have Sammy Watkins there anymore. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts of anybody, you know, cutting into his targets, right? Like he's still the number one guy there outside of injury, not named Travis Kelsey. Yeah, so I think it's not going to be a problem at all. And now we're, what we're seeing is reports of them even using some two tight end sets with the rookie Noah Gray. What ends up happening a lot of times with these teams, especially when you have a guy like Tyreek Hill, is he's kind of a smaller guy 
he can't play split end. So you have to have seven guys on the line at all times. The two outside guys are pass eligible, right? You can either use two tight ends, two split ends, or what most teams do is a tight end and a split end, right? So Tyreek, just like T.Y. Hilton, you're never going to just put him with his foot on the line where he can get jammed in the face all the time. So this team's going to have to find someone to do what Sammy Watkins did and put his foot down on the line where he can get, he can get jammed. It's, it's kind of a tough role, and Sammy was doing it not necessarily because he was a great pass catcher, but because he was a good blocker. They needed someone to do it. So I could see them using a lot of guys like Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson or you know another tight end, and those guys aren't going to soak up targets. So I think, once again, going to be a very high consolidated target share, just like you said, with Tyreek and, and, and Kelsey. So, I mean, he's this guy where you know I, there's no real downside to taking him. Yeah, in the second round here, the number two tight end to come off the board is a guy that I find myself grabbing a lot when I'm especially drafting, you know, in the middle or even end of the of the uh, rounds here is Stefan Diggs. Now, I am, you know, chasing, I guess, if you want to say the performance of last season, you know, it's impossible to think that he's going to be able to repeat, you know, the numbers that he put up with Josh Allen. But I still think that Allen is is legit here and I'm not expecting anything sort of set down in terms of production for Diggs, you know, I like him in all formats. I think he's great in best ball. He has a high floor. He has a very high ceiling. So when I'm looking at my board and there's Devontae Adams there and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins at, you know, in a, in a range, I've seen Calvin Ridley there as well. You know, for me, Diggs just prevents the safest option of the group with the upside that they all have. So I've been grabbing Diggs as my number one ride receiver off the board when I haven't gone running back, running back. Yeah, and I think in a regular redraft league, I'm more prone to taking a guy like Diggs who he's going to offer consistent volume. I mean, you have to remember that last year, he only had five touchdowns going through pretty much the entire year. And then it was in the last game of the, you know, uh, sorry, championship week for fantasy. Feels like the last game to us where he had three touchdowns. And that's kind of what kind of kicked him up a notch into the wide receiver one overall spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's very, you know, he's a safe play. But, I mean, I look at any of the top four. Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and, I mean, right there you can't miss. I think there's a little drop-off after those guys, too, because, you know, they, they're the number one guys. And a very important thing, for me at least, with wide receivers, which we'll get into in a little bit, is that they've been facing the number one coverage already. When Devontae Adams goes up against the Bucks, he gets Carlton Davis. When he goes up against the the Saints, he gets Marshawn Lattimore. Like he's, a, we already know that. You know what I mean? So there can be growing pains at times with with younger guys coming into that top role, and now all of a sudden they get they have to face the, you know the tough corner. So these guys are all proven in the offense they're already in. So they're they're kind of locks. For me, I find myself in best balls, especially you know five or ten dollar ones, grabbing Devontae Adams in the second round because. If Aaron Rodgers came out and said he was going to play this year, he would probably be the first wide receiver off the board and probably going in the end of the first round. So I feel like I'll take that discount now while you can, you know, kind of place a little bet on it and say, okay, well, if a month from now Rodgers says he's going to play, now I have these in my back pocket where I got Adams in the second round, you know, a month ago, you know, and then maybe I won't draft Adams as much if he's more expensive, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw early ADPs of Dante Adams going, you know, seven or eight you know, in, in the first round. So you're right. I mean, this is where the opportunity strikes, you know, like where you like to say, you can make a bet, take a gamble on a guy who's ADP may be lower due to, you know, varying circumstances. That issue is the one reason why I've avoided Devontae Adams, you know, sure. It could just be a lot of speak, but I mean, 
Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like he has any interest of coming back and playing for the team. So, you know, it, it, that definitely worries me. Now, if he does come back and play, then you sure you're, you know, you're going to be in a little bit of a better spot maybe than, than somebody else would have been. But I don't think it's that drastic of a, of a drop off to where I, I want to risk it. When you, like you say, guys like Diggs and Hopkins are right there. You know, Hopkins is a guy that I was all over last year. Again, he was, you know, he was one who got traded to an offense and I thought well, if anything was going to be better for him and yet his ADP was falling, you know, again, I was in a, in a league where I got him at the in the third round. He's going at the end of second round. Now he's sitting sort of in the middle toward the end of second round in drafts that I've seen. This ADP here has him going towards the beginning uh, of the second round. So it's interesting to see the movement on him there. I think it's possible because other guys, maybe like an AJ Brown that people were high on, are getting bumped back now because Julio's there. So that a, there's an ADP adjustment going on from earlier drafts that we saw. But I'm still buying into DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't understand the narrative that I've been seeing from some people on Hopkins where, you know, oh, they signed AJ Green and, and they got more and they have, you know, all these guys, none of those guys are going to take away the 160 targets that DeAndre Hopkins is getting. AJ Green isn't all of a sudden showing up and being the AJ Green of four years ago. You know, like nobody liked AJ Green last year in Cincinnati, but all of a sudden he's the guy to come in and we're downgrading DeAndre Hopkins because of it. Like I'm not buying into really any of that. Hopkins is the one he's going to get the target. They run, I think they ran the second most plays in football last year. Like that offense is meant to move the ball downfield vertically. And that's what DeAndre Hopkins is there for. So I, I love him a lot. I think he's, he's probably my wide receiver three after Hill and Diggs. I know you have Adams ahead of him, but that's where, that's where I got him. But like you said, largely you're not really from that group. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I agree too. Like you have to take it into context, right? Like if I'm doing a $200 FF, BC, you know, qualify, or I'm doing something with, you know, a, a big league, I'm not taking Adams right now. But if I'm doing, you know, a $5, $10 best ball on underdog with my friends, this is where I will take Adams at the discount in the second round, because, you know, like I said, I want to get a, I want to place a little bet on him, you know, but you, with Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, like those, are the, if I'm going to take a guy in the second round, that's what I'm most likely to take. Otherwise, I'll probably take another running back, because I think the next group of guys can, you know, the kind of pick and choose and lump them together a little bit. So let's get into those guys. Who comes up next in the ADP and Pemba? Yeah, I mean, you have a group here of Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown is kind of the the next end of second round wide receivers that we're looking at here. You know, you talk about guys who are the number ones, right? Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf fit that bill. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, you know, Jefferson's probably the one there, but Thielen certainly is very well involved in that offense. And now A.J. Brown has to deal with Julio Jones, who's the true one there. So talk to me about your your, your number one theory here and what you think of Calvin Ridley and D.K. Metcalf. Metcalf is somebody that is almost never on my board. I don't know why, but he's just never there for me. Yeah, I mean, so when I was given that example earlier about a guy that was, you know, became the number one wide receiver, Justin Jefferson and Calvin Ridley are actually the ones that came to mind. Because if you look at last year, some of the game, some of the things that happened throughout the season, some of the shifts weren't necessarily in their favor at all times. I know when you look at the overall or you look at some of these monster games, it's hard to picture it. But for instance, the very first game of the season, the Vikings played the Packers, right? And in that game, Jair Alexander covered Adam Thielen. In the second game, after, you know, a couple explosive breakout games, I think it was week eight, he covered Justin Jefferson. And he covered him for 11 of the 14 snaps that Jefferson was out there. It was a, you know, big run game for Dalvin Cook. But Jefferson on those snaps only got one target for tw- – uh, uh, sorry, he, yeah, he only got one of three targets for 12 yards, right? And 
later in the season. You saw look at the game log when they played the Buccaneers. They put Carlton Davis on Jefferson instead of Thielen. So the Buccaneers probably would have put their best corner on on Thielen any other year, but you know, Jefferson had broken out. They put him on Jefferson against Carl Davis. He had one catch for five yards, right? The rest of the catches came against other corners. And same thing, you know, to a certain degree against the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore was on Jefferson. He only had four catches. And Calvin Ridley, when he faced Jair Alexander, he had no catches, none. He had five targets, didn't catch anything. He might have been hurt a little bit. Yeah, but it's like, those are things that you got to think about in terms of, okay, do we know for sure that, you know, it's like the Bears were putting Kyle Fuller, who, you know, was their best corner. They were putting him on Thielen for both games. I went back and looked at it. Like, he's gone now, but who are the Bears? The Bears are now probably going to put their best guy on Jefferson. So we haven't seen those guys adjust to that. And for me, that's just enough to not put them in the tier of guys we just mentioned. And also for me to kind of shy away from them a little bit and, you know, lean into this next group of guys. So out of those four guys going in the second round, I actually would probably be more likely to take Metcalf just because, you know, that offense there, you know, teams are going to look at that team pretty much the exact same as they did last year. Cause, cause it's pretty much the exact same team but with AJ Brown, you know, there are concerns that Julio might take more volume, but he's going to take more coverage. You know, he's Julio is going to play split end just like Corey Davis. I would have been concerned for AJ Brown either way. Like the best situation for AJ Brown would be to have Corey Davis still there and just be the way it was last year, which was great for him, you know? So change, I'm, I'm looking for sure things in these rounds, and I don't love a lot of change. So those guys, I'm probably just going to steer away from from all of them. I don't have to take them because there's plenty of, uh, you know, the first two rounds, plenty of running backs or the four elite guys at the top, you know. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. Now, now, if you think everyone's going running back, running back in the first couple rounds, this is where everybody's going to start, you know, looking at their first wide receiver on the board, you know, is rounds three, rounds. You know, who from this group here sticks out to you the most that you're targeting? I mean, we have – Michael Thomas in round three, someone that we've never seen fall this low, you know, maybe since he was drafted in the league, right? You know, ever since then, he's largely been a, a you know, a top two uh, round wide receiver. We have one of my favorite plays every single year is Keenan Allen, you yes. know, a guy that I, if he's there, I'm tagging. And, and honestly, third round feels like earlier than we've gotten him in years past. I feel like I've been getting Keenan Allen in rounds like five, round six in drafts a lot of times, but he's getting the bump there. You know, Allen Robinson's a round three wide receiver, and Terry McLaurin is a round three wide receiver. You know, we know about the top, Keenan Allen at least, but, you know, are you worried about Michael Thomas with the change in quarterback? And really the change in quarterback with the other two guys as well, Robinson and McLaurin. I mean, at this ADP, cool with Michael Thomas. I'll take Michael, like, I would rather take Michael Thomas here than take Calvin Ridley as the fifth wide receiver off the board. You know what I mean? Because, like, Michael Thomas, he never stopped being good last year, even with Taysom Hill. You know, mm-hmm. he's just, he's a good player. are going to find a way to be good, as we saw with DeAndre Hopkins through a number of terrible, terrible quarterbacks. You know what I mean? So I really don't think, especially if Jameis Winston's the quarterback, that'd be amazing, you know, because he'll, right. he'll grip and rip it. So I'm down with Michael Thomas, just like yourself. I actually have Keenan Allen ahead of Michael Thomas. He's just so safe. We've seen him with this quarterback already. Joe Lombardi is a, he comes from the Saints where Michael Thomas was, you know, feeding Michael Thomas was the play, you know? So I think Keenan Allen is just an amazing pick there. Allen Robinson, He's getting an upgrade at quarterback either way. People talk about Justin Fields, but how about Andy Dalton? You know, the 
Is um, Andy Dalton really an upgrade? I truly believe he he is. I mean, look at the the Cowboys last year. They had three they had three wide receivers that were at least you know pretty serviceable. Mark Cooper was a great wide receiver for fantasy, and the team had the 14th most yards. I think they had the seventh most first downs. It, I think that. Andy Dalton is definitely an upgrade over Trubisky. He was a nightmare. I mean, you saw the tweet. I tweeted about the team, and Taylor Gabriel went out of his way to respond to my tweet and be like, "It." Let me tell you, it wasn't the wide receivers <laughs> in Chicago that were the problem. You know, so it's it's not a unique position that we have. Seeing that Trubisky was bad, I mean, he's a backup quarterback now. So I yeah. think that you know, regardless, that's an upgrade for Allen Robinson. And then you know, McLaurin. He, you know, he didn't have a lot of target competition. Now they draft a rookie. They bring in Curtis Samuel. I, just, I don't find myself taking him very often just because I like these other guys so much. And I like the guy coming right after him with the fourth round ADP. If you want to get into these fourth round guys real quick. Yeah, well, why don't you just go into it? Tell us who your, tell us who your fourth round ADP guy is. Yeah, so I don't take Terry McLaurin because the fourth round ADPs are, and we're talking when we say we kind of divided it up this way, but Terry McLaurin's going on average pick 35. On average, Amar Cooper is going pick 36. Mike Evans is going pick 37. Those are the guys that I prefer, especially in best ball. Amar Cooper is like the quintessential best ball player. If you go uh, check my article that I wrote on drafting best ball wide receivers, I explained why he was, you know, him and Cooper Cup were kind of going back to back last year, why Amari was a much better pick. And that's because Amari had all these monster games and he had a number of terrible games, like three, four points. But in best ball, you don't have to deal with those terrible games at all. They don't get slotted into your lineup. Uh, They don't hurt you. So people kind of look at it and they think about from a redraft standpoint, this guy scares me. I'm worried about him messing up my team, but you can't mess, you know, the bad games don't mess you up in best ball. Cooper Cup, on the other hand, he's got all these games, you know, he's got a safe floor, six, seven points, but Sometimes six, seven points doesn't even make your lineup in best ball. So, you know, Amari, in reality, was making your lineup like 10 times. Cooper Cup might have only cracked it like six times, even though he, on average, they he scored a similar number of points. So, I mean, but what what are your thoughts? I mean, I like Amari. Yeah, Robert Woods for me. I mean, even, you know, with Stafford at quarterback now, I've I've been, I mean, again, I'm a Robert Woods stand last year. I was tweeting every time I could take Robert Woods in a draft, I was basically thanking the draft for him you know, for letting me get him in rounds five or round six. And here we are again, where he's in round four with a, what should be a better quarterback, you know, health obviously is an issue with Stafford at times. And if he goes down, you know, probably not good things for whoever Woods there, but you can say that about the entire offense in general for most teams when the starting quarterback goes down, look at the Cowboys last year. So I'm going to believe in the, in the health of Stafford here. I'm going to believe that Robert Woods is going to be in for one of the best seasons that he's had with Stafford. So I've been grabbing him in round four. I mean, I like uh, Amari Cooper for sure. I've taken him in a league. Basically, you convinced me because I was never really uh, a Cooper fan. I was kind of going C.D. Lamb a lot last year when it came to time to draft a wide receiver. And I, and I sort of kind of still hold that sentiment a little bit just based where the ADPs are between the two. But like you said, Cooper has those huge games in best ball, which is what you need. But if I'm looking for consistency, which... You know, I, I like in best ball for sure. And there's also some upside. Robert Woods for me is the guy that I've been targeting a lot in drafts. Love Robert Woods. And he's he's the kind of guy that he's just a great football player in general. And a lot of times we don't put a lot of emphasis on that, but he's always grading out in the top, you know, top amongst run blocking, top amongst, you know, all like the, you know, the other things that go into playing the position. And that's something that keeps you on the field for every snap. 
You know, mm-hmm. you, you, like and there were times where Josh Reynolds would come in and Cooper Cup would come out for blocking purposes. That's never going to happen with Robert Woods. And that's part of the reason it kind of segues into these next few guys here that round out the fourth, which is Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, C.B. Lamb. And I know you said you like C.B. Lamb. For me, I'm a little hesitant because last year, C.B. Lamb played 94% of his snaps in the slot, but he would come out in two wide receiver sets. So he only played 64% of the overall snaps. Now, Chris Godwin, that was kind of what held him back early in his career. He was behind Deshaun Jackson, and then he, and he would play slot You know, once he got the job from Humphrey. But those first two years, he was coming out in two wide receiver sets. And then when Deshaun Jackson left, that's when he was in the two wide sets. You know, he'd play slot and three wide, move to flanker for two wide. Then it's wheels up, 1,400-yard season. You know what I mean? I believe yeah. that's somewhere in the future for CeeDee Lamb, and it might be this year, but what happens if it's not? And same thing with Godwin is that he, he earned that role already, but now Antonio Brown's there. Tom Brady has this weird affection for Antonio Brown where what happens when it's down near the goal line and they go two tight end sets with O.J. Howard and – and Gronk and Ev- Mike Evans is obviously out there, and they say, "Well, you know, let's have Antonio out there for the right. you know just just for the red zone." He scored eight touchdowns in the last eight games or whatever. A touchdown every single game through the playoffs. Even it's like, what happens if Tom's like, you know what, I want Antonio out there. That now, and that's- Gronk. I mean, like you know, you look at red zone targets for sure. Like that's the biggest thing to take away from those guys. So right. So I usually I'm actually kind of I, I'm a Chris guy with like truth or stand throughout the whole thing, and I think. You know, him and C.D. Lamb, they have bright futures in this league. You know, it's just a matter of personnel for me. Like, I want my guys to be surefire top two guys on the team, top two in target share, top two in snap share. And that's why another situation where I don't take the guys at the end of the fourth here because I'm taking so much Adam Thielen, who is the – You wrote an entire article on Adam Thielen. I think we even touched upon that article last week or the week before. So, no, we this is, again, where we feel, I feel like you're right. There's, there's a – Almost like an unfair drop in, in value for Thielen because everybody looks at his touchdowns and they're like, regression is coming. There's no way he has all those touchdowns. And then look what Justin Jefferson did last year. He's clearly the number one. So now people are like downgrading Adam Thielen thinking, what's he going to come up with? You know, 850 yards and, and six touchdowns, you know, like, and, and that's where I feel like there's these like misprojections on guys. So getting Adam Thielen in the fifth round, like you said, is great. We've seen him go later. In some drafts, I think I've saw him go in the seventh round in a draft when you wrote that article. I think it was one of the things we were talking about there. That, that Stupid. We thought, that, that we thought was crazy. What do you think of DJ Moore? He's a sixth-round pick this year. Now, you, again, wrote an article last year that basically went viral, you know, explaining that Teddy Bridgewater was not the QB for DJ Moore last season, was not going to work out for him with the deep ball throwing. But now they have Sam Darnold, and Darnold has a better arm. You know, do you think that Moore is going to benefit from that offense there with now Darnold under center? Yeah, so I, I truly do. And, you know, so we won't go into Thielen. If you want to really read on Thielen, there's an article on fantasyalarm.com on Adam Thielen. And there's also a fancy alarm on DJ Moore. If you just type Andrew Cooper into Google, Andrew Cooper, then the player name, the articles come right up. But the DJ Moore issue was that Teddy Bridgewater had an aversion to throwing deep. Going into the season, we all thought that Robbie Anderson would be the deep threat. But what ended up happening was Matt Rule coached Robbie Anderson at Temple, brought him over to use in a similar role to what he used at Temple, which was actually more of a underneath type, you know, the intermediate underneath route guy. So that mm-hmm. actually led to him getting more targets because more, which, I mean, so, sorry, Bridgewater, which oddly Bridgewater had decent stats, efficiency stats throwing downfield. He just refused to do it. Like there was, um, 
I, Dak Prescott might have taken, I think there was a stat that Dak Prescott took a similar number of deep, made a similar number of deep throws last year as Teddy Bridgewater, and Prescott only played five games. Jeez. Like, so it's, he just had an aversion to it. He didn't like doing it. So I think with Darnold, it's, it, can, it can't be worse. That's my thought process on that. So I do like DJ Moore there. So just to rattle these out quick, you have in the fifth round, it's CeeDee Lamb, Adam Thielen. Just those two have ADPs there. In the sixth round, it's Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore. And then we kind of see a massive drop off, mostly probably due to people going all over the place. But there's no wide receivers with an average draft pick in the seventh, eighth, or ninth round. So I actually love Thielen, especially in best ball, Thielen, Lockett, and Moore because, you know, Lockett is a field stretcher type, which, you know, boom bust games. That's right. fine in best ball, right? That's that's what we want in best ball. So I love, t- like, when I'm looking at the way the draft is panning out, I kind of say to myself, okay, let me make sure I get one of these guys in the Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Thielen, Lockett, Moore range because – then comes this next group of guys where I'm not so not entirely sold on or or I not that I don't think they're going to be good. I don't necessarily have a favorite. I don't know about you. Do you have a when you look at this next group of, say, five, ten guys, do you have a favorite in there? Emma? I mean, it's well, it's funny because we look at just the round jump here as well. You know, you can see where everybody starts taking a look at other positions like we just went over, you know, round EDPs one through six. There's zero seven zero eight round ADP wide receivers taking on the board. I do like the number the ninth round ADP wide receiver though in Deontay Johnson. He needs to stay healthy and he needs to hold on to the football because when he did both of those last year, he was maybe one of the the number one receiver it feel felt like every week. You know, right. like he was giving you 20, 25 fantasy points in PPR almost every week when he was able to stay on the field for a complete game. And, you know, now there's Chase Claypool, obviously there, they brought in Juju Smith Schuster back. So like there's competition, but it, you know, it feels like Deontay Johnson in round nine is where we were getting him last year. And he sort of had that breakout season. People thought he was capable of, if not for, you know, the, the, the minor issues that he dealt with injury and, and drops. So, you know, I don't know how you feel about Deontay Johnson, but again, if he's there in round nine for me, like it could be my wide receiver three, like I'm, I'm taking that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a reason why there's a little separation between him and the rest of the pack here where he's nine, everyone else is 10, 11. You know, he did show those games. And my philosophy on fumbles and drops has always been the same, that it's only a problem if the team thinks it's a problem. It's only a problem if they lose confidence in the player to the point where he comes off the field. There was one game where he did get benched. He did get benched, yes, after some bad drops. So that's why, you know, it does put him in that red flag territory. But, I mean, we watched – I watched Jimmy Graham drop 15 passes from Drew Brees in one season. But, you know, he was scoring touchdowns. He was making plays. So they just kept feeding him the ball. So same thing with a guy like Chris Carson, right? He fumbles the ball a bunch for the Seahawks, you know, more than anyone else over a two-year span there. But if Pete Carroll – doesn't care then why do we care you know what i mean it's like the two points who cares it randomly happens at some time but if if it doesn't affect his playing time then it doesn't matter to me yeah just just even further on that you know he he had 88 catches on 144 targets for 923 yards and seven touchdowns last season playing 15 games i think like two of those he left at halftime with injury another game he was completely benched in so like You know, if you think about it, he really put up almost a thousand yards and ninety catches in twelve games. Like to get a get a guy like that in round nine and that upside in an offense that we know is still going to throw the football, even though they got Najee Harris this year. 
Ben Roethlisberger, until that arm falls off of him, is going to have 600 pass attempts. That's just yeah. what the offense is. So I, I love Deontay Johnson. If he burns me, okay. But you know what? Where he's going, if he doesn't have a good season, he's not killing my team, right? He's not my second round pick, my third round pick. He's my ninth round pick. You know, he's probably the fifth guy of like ninth guy on my roster. I'd say fifth guy on my roster, but the math doesn't work out that way. He'd be the ninth guy on my roster there. So, right. Um, yeah. I, know, I, like, I love it. I, I think it's, yeah, it's a good spot. I mean, the, the, I guess the only other concern would be now they have a second tight end, the guy they drafted, which means, you know, when you go two tight ends, you only go two wide receivers. Who's it going to be at it? Deontay, Juju and Claypool last year, it was Juju and Deontay, but this year maybe they, you know, say, okay, Claypool's this big bodied guy. Maybe we put him, you know, they put him out there in two wide. So it would have been much like if Juju didn't come back, I would have had Deontay Johnson, up in that tier with with but are DJ you Moore much from the rookie tight end. No, I mean I don't expect him to produce a lot fantasy wise, but I I don't see why they wouldn't use him in a blocking capacity similar to Cole Komet. And just having Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham on the field so often was the reason that Anthony Miller came off the field so often. So that's the little like you got to think about when you think about whether a third wide receiver can succeed on a team and not saying Deontay Johnson is third. He's probably first. But when you look at whether a third guy can succeed on a team, the one of the biggest things that people overlook is does that team have a fullback? Does that team have a second tight end? Because when you look at the Vikings, the fact they use C.J. Ham so much, the fact that they would use Irv Smith and Rudolph, and now Irv Smith and Conklin makes their third wide receiver invisible. You know, so that's mm-hmm. the situation with them. Is that if I knew for sure it was going to be Deontay Johnson on every snap, then he would be higher for me. I just don't know that for sure. You know. Fair enough. If we're going down then into, like we mentioned, there's a gap, there's round round 10. We have Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Brandon. You know, surprising anybody there in that group for you? I mean, again, Cooper Cup, as you mentioned before, was a guy that last year we had to pay, you know, fourth round ADP for, and now he's in round 10 with what we think is a better quarterback. So is this not a, a opportunity to buy low on a bounce back year out of a guy like him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with Stafford, who, you know, does a great job of getting the ball out. He's going to be better than Goff. The thing is, Cooper Cup is a guy I like more in regular redraft than I do in best ball for all those reasons we talked about earlier. You know, he's just, he's reliable. If you're in a best ball league that has a ton of starting spots, you know, then he becomes more valuable because now it's like everyone on your team is basically getting into the lineup. If it's like an underdog where it's, you know, normal two, three wide receiver, one flex. You want upside guys, you know, so not sure I love him in that. And then, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, that those I find myself staring at this group. That's why, I, like I said before, I, tr- I now I now the more of these that I do, I try to get guys from the group above if possible, because I just there's so much uncertainty with the Higgins, Jamar Chase group. Sorry, the Higg- Higgins, Jamar Chase group there where it's like, who's going to lead the team? Is Boyd going to take a backseat? Is- it's funny he- that they have the same ADP, basically, right? It's like it's, people are doing the same thing. They're flipping a so, coin. They're like, who, who is it going to be? Who's going to be that number two or number one guy, you know, that's there? And Boyd is even in round 12. So, like, you know, the three Cincinnati, three Cincinnati wide receivers that should all be in for 100 targets this year with a healthy Joe Burrow. And nobody really is. Nobody really knows who's going to be the guy. Right. I, I guess my my feeling is I'll just I'll take the guy that I can get the discount on. You know, I'll let some. I'll wait and let somebody else make the hard pick, and then I'll take the easy one, which is the second guy. You know. So I do out of this group the guys that stick out a little bit. Um, so oh, actually, we only got through 
10. So I do like Brandon Ayuk. I would probably take Ayuk over Chase and Higgins just because we know if you look at that offense, even if they use two tight ends, it's going to be uh, Ayuk and it's going to be Debo Samuel. Ayuk is running the higher average depth of target routes than Debo. I think Debo's depth of target was like two yards last year. It was. It's not going to be that again. But, I mean, it was low. So, I think Ayuk is going to run the better routes. So, I like him over Debo, and I like him probably, you know, I, I just feel he's safer in that group, you know. But um, what, yeah, do you, re- what do you think of the next round? We have two guys basically coming back from injury years. Not basically they are. Odell Beckham and Kenny Galladay are both 11th round EDPs. You're hearing, again, camp chatter. OBJ looks as be- good as he ever has. Uh, and then, of course, you have Galladay having to deal with Danny Dimes and that whole offense. You know, are you believing the hype in any of them? Are you excited for any of them? I mean, Kenny Galladay in round 11, man. Like, what? You know? I, I have so much Odell. And I have a lot of Kenny Galladay, too. And, it, it, again, it's one of those things where, you know, that's what's so valuable about looking at ADP in this fashion. And I think everyone should, you know, go to go to best ball 10 the best best ball. This is what we did. Is we pulled the best ball 10 ADP from the last two weeks, right? You go and do that and just look it over and say, Oh my God, I don't like anybody in this middle round, but I love the guys above and below it. So in this group here, I love Odell. I love Kenny Galladay coming up soon in the next, next few here is DJ Chark. I like Will Fuller. I like in best ball, but Cortland Sutton is another guy coming back from injury that I think you can get a big discount on. He's definitely going to be the split end in that offense. So in this group here, you know, I, I I'd rather, I'd rather not take some of these riskier guys that I feel, you know, like Chase Higgins, Cooper Cup playing slot. And I would just rather grab these guys, you know, Odell. I worry a little bit about Chark because it's a brand new coach, brand new quarterback. And the coach already, he already had said some kind of concerning things about DJ Chark. He said that he doesn't play as big as he is and they want him to be tougher. I mean, you'd, you'd rather have the coach come in and say, you know, I decided to coach this team because I love DJ Chark and I want to throw him the ball as many times as possible. You definitely don't want the coach to say, yeah, I, you know, I kind of inherited this guy Chark and I think he's kind of a wuss. It's like, that's the worst thing you want to hear. Right? Yeah, no, exactly. It's definitely, definitely, definitely not what we're looking for out of coach speak there. I mean, again, this is, this is an area now where everybody is, I guess, looking for depth. If you're just looking at the volume of, of receivers, Going in round 12, going in round 13, you know, a couple of guys, again, that are, are standing out to me. You know, what do we think of a Cortland Sutton coming back from injury? A guy that many of you were high on, high on last season. You know, you have someone like Jerry Judy, who had kind of a disappointing, you know, rookie year. Both of those guys going in round 12, you know, Drew Locke, questionable, Bridgewater. We know we know he doesn't throw deep. Like, you know, how are you feeling about the Denver receivers? So, it- for the Denver receivers and this entire chunk in general, right? So let's take round 12 and 13. Here's right. here's here's how it's going. It goes Juju, Will Fuller, Sutton, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Jerry Judy, Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Hollywood Brown, Curtis Samuel, Chenault, Devonta Smith, Jarvis Landry. This is where everyone basically, it looks like everyone's saying, hey, let's take the slot guys now. You know, it's like with all the big, the big guys have gone all the explosive guys have gone. Now we're looking at the slot guys. For me, I would never take the first slot guy out of this group just because a lot of them are in a situation where they're running the lower A dot routes. They might get a lot of targets, but you know, it doesn't always translate into a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and that's what you want in best ball. So when you look at Juju, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Judy, Debo, Jarvis Landry, even Curtis, Curtis Samuel as well. Curtis Samuel is not going to be getting handoffs like he did last year, just so everyone knows. it's He basically got those 
40 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns because Christian McCaffrey got hurt. So it's not the same situation. This team has two running backs already that are very good. So for me, I'll take whoever's left out of that group, but I would never look at that group and say, oh, well, I got to get Jerry Judy because I don't know if there's going to be a huge difference between Jerry Judy and Tyler Boyd. And I don't know if they're going to be amazing for uh, best ball either. You know, like how yeah. often does Tyler Boyd just go out and have a monster 180 yard two touchdown game? Like yeah, that's not really with more guys that stretch the field now, you know, on that roster as well. He's not going to be that guy. Right. So I look at it and I say, you know, look, look at this group where you say, if we're looking for boom bust guys in Pemba, who jumps out to you out of that group of guys I just ran off? Uh, Robbie Anderson. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yes, yes. And no. Robbie Anderson was the boom bust guy, but now with Matt rule kind of took that, Matt rule kind of made him a underneath guy, but yeah, yeah I guess but he Rob still had huge games. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Well, but what about guys like Hollywood or like Brandon Cooks? Like those guys are notorious, like monster well, games. So tell me who the quarterback for Houston's going to be, and then I could probably answer that question a little bit easier for you. After uh, a brief, brief after a brief suspension. If, if Jerry Jones is the owner of the Texans, this would already have been swept under the rug. You know, it's, <laughs> but uh, I do think no, it's just, I know mean, it's. How a don't we have situation. a resolution to this yet? Is is really what's bothering me? That that there's there's nothing. You're not even hearing about it anymore. So like, but like what's going on? Right? Yeah. The, we, the, the scary thing with this is it could go directly either way. You yeah. know, like the Out league the year, no suspension. It could be one or the other, right? Could like, be one or the other. Cause I've seen the league do this exact thing where they say, okay, you know what? We waited and we waited to see if there were criminal charges and they, they, you know, we let the police do their job. If the police come back and say, Hey, we didn't find anything that we could charge him for a criminal crime for you know there's you know could be uh, civil allegations but if they could come back and say hey we don't have anything we can charge from him for a crime for the league might say hey you know what we made a deal with the nflpa there's no crime that's been committed here we can't tell this guy that he can't work you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it, it could go both ways you know i'm not really banking on him playing but i think brandon cooks is the kind of guy that as long as whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, whether it's a rookie, as long as they can chuck the ball deep, he is a dude that is crazy fast. He's going to have, you know, he's going to get loose at some point. Same with Marquise Brown is another guy. Do you who, believe the Marquise Brown touchdown run at the end of the season? Do you think there was a change in philosophy there? I mean, there was no no more frustrating player last year, I think, than Hollywood Brown with the regression of the Lamar Jackson passing attack. Right. And well, that's the thing is that with, with Marquise Brown, like the, the frust like that's where you could take advantage in, in best ball is that we we think of the frustration from the leagues where we have to set our lineups and say, oh, geez, you know, that's annoying. But in best ball, Marquise Brown wasn't frustrating at all. You had him in your lineup for every time he caught a touchdown. <laughs> the week he had two targets, one catch for three yards and a touchdown. You had him, you know, the yeah. the following with the week he had zero targets. Uh, sorry, three targets and caught zero of them for zero yards. He wasn't in your lineup. So for me, I, I look at these this game log and I'm saying, yeah, for sure. I'm seeing 10 games where he would have slot into one of my best ball lineups. I'm seeing sure. I've seen six games where he was putting up damn near close <laughs> to zero points. And I would have been pulling my hair out in uh, in a regular league. But I mean, this isn't that's why we discuss this format at this time of year. Once we get closer to August, you know, because you're crazy if you're drafting a, a redraft team right now where you're doing waivers and all that stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's why I say best ball now, and then we'll 
we might have a, when we talk redraft, we'll say, Hey, you know, we love this guy for best ball, but I'm not touching him in redraft. So that's why we got to differentiate. And it's good to have these at this time of year so that we can talk about the different strategies, you know? So those are, those are your round 12 and 13 around 14, Michael Pittman, Antonio Brown, Michael Gallup, Devontae Parker, Mike Williams, Jalen Waddle, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Miko Harmon and Darnell Mooney are rounds 14 and 15. I got to say, Mike Williams in round 15 is a guy that I've been taking in like every single best ball draft for all of the reasons that you just talked about. Only I feel like Mike Williams is better, like only like more consistent at times even. So uh, I don't get the, I don't get why he's going this late in drafts. So I'm going to take him every time here. Yeah. I mean, I sent out a tweet that, you know, was a little bit more of more of a thought experiment, you know, and obviously some people responded well to it. Some people didn't, but I said, Mike Williams, like, if a player has had a season with 10 touchdowns and he's had a season with 1,000 yards, wouldn't it be possible then for him to, to have a season with both 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns? And that tweet was about Mike Williams because, you know, the year he had 10 touchdowns, he didn't have a ton of yards. Right. Then the next year he had 1,000 yards but didn't have a ton of touchdowns. The yeah. possibility is there, you know. It's like it's very well – it's possible. And this guy, man, like he falls in that class of dudes that – Whenever he makes a catch, it's usually an awesome catch. You know, he's like yeah. he, he's putting it out there. So I'm right there with you. I think he's in another class from most of these guys. I'll t- I take him over all those slot guys I named earlier in this format, especially because you know he's an explosive guy. Off this list, I also like Michael Pittman. I think he's going to be. You know, we talked about how you get on the field as a split end because you can tether your foot to the line and fight the jam. The Colts have been looking for that for years. They since they they brought in Andre Johnson, which didn't work. They brought in Devin Funches, he got hurt. Doris Fountain got hurt. They've been looking for a big guy to put opposite T.Y. Hilton. Uh, they'd never had it, so they used two tight end sets and put Hilton at flanker to get a free release. Now they have that big split end. I think he's going to play nearly every snap. Probably would have last year, but he got he got hurt. He had compartment syndrome. So uh, Michael Pittman and, and Mike Williams are guys that I'm taking all the time in here. And I'll take a shot on the Antonio Brown, too, because Tom yeah, Brady's thought- weird. I've talked a lot about liking Michael Pittman as well in drafts. Given where he's going, I'm thinking a big breakout year potentially for him as long as Wentz can stay upright, which I think he should be able to. And then you're right. I mean, getting someone like well, now, like Antonio Brown just for the touchdown upside. And I mean, three years ago, Antonio Brown was the best wide receiver in football, right? <laughs> like <laughs> you four know, years like, in a row. Yeah, you know, like you just, you know, he had some mental issues and off the field problems and, and all these things now. But I mean. He looked good last year. So like, he never stopped. He never stopped being good at football. That's no, the crazy he didn't. part. Like he was good it's for that. the one game he was with New England. You yeah, know, right? like, yeah, he jumped you in know, the stands like, in, the, in the Dolphins yeah. Stadium. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, yeah, Antonio Brown's still very good at football. So yeah. all right, later rounds as we get in here, anybody jumping out to you around sixteen, round seventeen, guys you're looking to take dart shots on. Well, I, so I even, before we get there, like sure. the, at the end of 15 round, Corey Davis, they paid him, paid him a ton of money to play split end. He'll be out there. I love taking stabs on, like I said, the there are four teams right now that have a new coach and a new quarterback, much like the Panthers last year where everyone thought DJ Moore would be a star and end up being one of the lower guys. So Jaguars, Lions, Texans, and the Jets, anytime I can kind of take a cheap stab on one of the guys there that could be out there for 90% of the snaps, I will. So Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, for sure. Darnell Mooney playing that Tyreek Hill role in the Chicago Bears offense is intriguing to me. Cole Beasley, in, in these lower rounds, there's not really a lot of guys where you say, 
that you're staying away from or fading because you can just not pick them. But Cole Beasley is a guy that this is the format where you definitely don't want to own him. He yeah, plays assuming like, he even plays football. Did you see his tweets today? Yeah, I mean, that's just another reason. Like, the whole anti-vax thing. And I like Beasley. I mean, I, he's got that rap song, 80 Stings, that's actually kind of fire. But the whole, he needs to go and get 80 Stings from the from the vaccine person. Yeah, so I mean, listen, the, the guy can obviously do whatever he wants. They're, they're, that's his his freedom and right. But, like, you look at the, the rules laid down by the NFL for teams with players that aren't vaccinated versus are vaccinated and like the hassle it brings basically to be on your team as someone who is not vaccinated, it's, it's, you know, you can only have so many people in the weight room. You can only have so many people in meetings. You can only, only have so many people like in, in different practice sessions. Like there's all these rules that the NFL basically put in place for teams that have players that aren't vaccinated. If it comes down to camp and you're looking at the roster on Buffalo and Buffalo needs to make a cut, like, and one guy is vaccinated and Cole Beasley isn't vaccinated. I, I could see them letting him go. You know, right? Like, you know, if it means that they can have a full weight room of guys or a full meeting room of guys and practice the way they want to practice and travel the, the way they want to travel. Like, I, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. Quit being weird, Cole. Get it together, buddy. And I mean, I but beyond, even beyond that, I look at this group of guys. And it's like the Cole Beasleys and the Russell Gages, this and Jamison Crowder's in this group too. I'm looking. For, we we've talked about this at length here. We're looking for the guys that can can make explosive big plays. So you're looking at a pile that has Cole Beasley, you know, Russell Gage, Jamison Crowder, and then there's also T. Y. Hilton, Henry Ruggs. Nelson Aguilar, who had 800 yards on the outside. Elijah Moore, who there's a lot of rumbling about. I mean, I just can't possibly take Russell Gage in a, in the same ADP range that T.Y. Hilton's going. I mean, they're talking about Carson Wentz out there throwing bombs. T.Y. Hilton says the deep ball's back. I'm definitely interested in T.Y. So at this point in the draft, my advice to a lot of people is that think about what the role is for these guys. Take all the slot guys, especially the ones who might come off the field in two wide receiver sets, which is what Cole Beasley did the entire season last year. Even when John Brown was out, he was maxing out at about 60% snap share. Just throw those guys out the window. You don't need them in best ball. Maybe in a deeper redraft league where you have a lot of flexes, that's where those guys come into play. But, you know, don't worry about it here, man. Just go for the upside at this point. You mentioned John Brown's name. What do you think of him now in Las Vegas after the season he had in Buffalo? Obviously, when he was healthy... And as a number two in Buffalo, you know, he was able to put up some big games. You talk best ball formats. He comes over now to Las Vegas, probably takes on the Nelson Aguilar role, right? That we saw him have last year. And it was at uh, Terrell Williams the year before that, right? Like he was a downfield guy that was catching, you know, making big plays. Do you think Brown fits into that offense there next to Waller? Do you think Ruggs gets it together and, and overtakes him here? Like what's your take on John Brown? So my take on that offense is this: I think you're going to have Brian, uh, you're going to have Darren Waller at tight end. I think the guy that has the best chance to play split end with his foot tethered to the line is actually Brian Edwards. Though sometimes what happens with that role is you end up playing a lot of snaps because you can do that, but they don't translate into a lot of targets because you are getting jammed, you are getting tough coverage. We saw it with some of these all exercise team guys like Demir Bird or Jalen Guyton, they put them out there with their foot tethered to the line to let everybody else run free. Mm -hmm. So I think we will see a lot of Brian Edwards. And then you're basically going to have John Brown and Henry Ruggs battling for flanker slot snaps. One of them is going to be out there in two wide receiver sets. Whoever that is, is going to have a huge opportunity. Derek Carr is a very accurate quarterback. I mean, the, yeah. the numbers do not lie. You know, in the Scott Fishbowl, he's a great pick where accuracy factors into scoring. You know, so I think in an ideal world, 
you just kind of wipe your hands of Hunter Renfro and say, hey, you know, thanks for helping out. And you put Henry Ruggs in the slot. You put John Brown out wide, and that's your offense. But it, it could be a little trickier than that. Not to mention, they paid Kenyon Drake so much money. I, I can already see, uh, like, offensive sets where Drake is in the slot and Josh Jacobs is in the backfield. So, you know, this offense could just be – it could be a mess. I mean, what are your thoughts on Peppa? Do you like anybody particularly out of the group? I mean, yeah, no, I don't. I don't really. I'm looking at what what's on the board here, and like I said, you know, John Brown kind of jumps out to me a little bit, but after that, I mean, not really. I mean, we 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 talked a lot the other day about what's going to happen with Detroit and their wide receiver grouping, right? You know, it's Perriman, it's Tyro Williams, it's Armand St. Brown, the guy that you're talking about. It's why why do I keep blanking on his name? Cephas, uh, there. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Quintez Cephas. Quintez Cephas, right? Like that's the group. We're getting late in the draft. You know, Perriman and Williams, the guys that they brought in, they paid Williams more money. Both of those guys are best ball players, right? Like, they're both home run hitter, downfield guys. Is Goff going to throw downfield to them? Probably not. You may not have a choice, you know? Yeah, I mean, I like, out of that group, I like Tyrell Williams just because they gave him almost twice as much money as Brashad Perriman, right? Amon Ross St. Brown, they passed on him five times. He was the 17th wide receiver taken. Like, clearly, you know, they... They didn't love. You can't never really say they loved him. You know what I mean? Right. They bat, They had two third round picks and they didn't take him. You know, so like people seem to like Amon Rossi Brown. I don't understand Perriman going above Tyrell Williams. I'd rather take Tyrell Williams and Quintez Cephas than just straight up over those guys. So when you factor in the ADP of Perriman and St. Brown going first, that's an easy one for me. Um, you know, in this range, so I do like taking one of those guys. In this range, I actually, you and me talked about this a little off air. Christian Kirk is a guy who, you know, in my understanding of the offense was that DeAndre Hopkins played split end. They drafted Akeem Butler and Andy Isabella to potentially be outside guys. They both kind of have busted. So they haven't been able to run a four wide offense. Larry Fitz, being older, he couldn't play split end. He couldn't play outside. You know, he would get jammed up. It was it would have been ugly for him. So they basically had Kirk playing out of position in an outside role. I think this year, a lot of things I'm reading saying Kirk is going back to his natural role in the slot, where you're going to have Hopkins and AJ Green out wide slot, Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk in the slot in in three wide receiver or four wide receiver sets. I like Kirk. I mean, I think that this is his do or die year, and we've seen flashes of him where he looked good. So. At this ADP, sure, why not, you know? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't hate that. And as we're talking, I'm also in the middle of drafting our lightning round best ball draft. I was on the clock there. In round 12, I did go ahead and take Christian Kirk. So yeah. now, now it's earlier than what this ADP is, but this is a 12-team league. BB10's ADP is a 10-team league, obviously. So uh, a little bit of an earlier ADP in 12-team leagues. Then 10, he's my wide receiver four. It's best ball, you know, based off the depth of guys that were available. Again, it wasn't, wasn't great. So right. uh, you kind of convinced me there to go ahead and grab some extra depth there I'm at the wide receiver position and, you know, go on from there. Is there anybody else, any deep, deep guys that you're a fan of, Coop, for best ball right now at the wide receiver position? Yeah, so for anyone that's not, you know, if you're not looking at the the rankings, maybe we'll we'll tweet out a link to, to kind of what we were looking at. Basically, we're in pit. We're at wide wide receivers 100. So not just picks 100 or players 100, wide receivers 100. So you're deep out here. But in the whole idea of um, 
picking guys that are on teams where there's a lot of uncertainty. I don't mind taking stabs at Nico Collins or Randall Cobb at the very end of drafts. I don't mind taking a stab on Demarcus Robinson, who may get that split end role that Sammy Watkins was playing. Byron Pringle graded out as one of the best uh, run blocking wide receivers in the league, but I think that's more of what they like him for. I mean, playing because you're really good at run blocking doesn't translate well to fantasy. I'd rather <laughs> have a guy, yeah, that's going to play because he can he can catch the ball. And then at the very very end of my last pick, a lot of a lot of the leagues where I you know I'm taking a very last pick, I take Josh Pee's third round pick for the Chargers. There's no more Hunter Henry there. It's a new coach, new offense coordinator. It's a young quarterback. I mean, everyone seems to have. Justin Herbert as their quarterback five or six. They love Keenan Allen. People, if you don't like Mike Williams, or even if you do, but if you don't like Mike Williams, then you almost have to like Josh Palmer to a certain degree, unless you also don't like Justin Herbert. It's like, I, I don't understand sometimes people love this quarterback. He's not a quarterback that runs. So where are the touchdowns going to go? Where are the ball is going to go? Do, do you love Jared Cook? I mean, it's... Right. Yeah, so for me, I like Palmer. I think he's kind of a, you know, we're talking so deep in the draft here that it's worth a stab. I mean, when you're out this deep in Bimba, who are you kind of grabbing as like your why not last guy? Yeah, I mean, like I, I largely agree with you there a little bit. You know, someone that I, I tend to, you know, I, I do like Sammy Watkins still, even though it's in Baltimore. I know they drafted, you know, Bateman and they, and they have Brown and they're a run first offense. But, you know, he, he's proven to be a, a decent option out there, you know, when he's able to stay on the field. I mean, I think they brought him in, you know, for a reason to be, you know, be out there. And, you know, he could be the number one guy if things don't work out there. Obviously behind Andrews, but he has that that talent. So, you know, largely taking a look at, at someone like that when I'm when I'm deep. And then I just listen to you, Coop, to be truthful with you. you, <laughs> t- you I kind of just kind of trust your judgment with some of these late guys and the research that you're doing with that. So, that you know, like I said, when I'm this late in drafts, you know, I probably have a lot of my wide receivers taken. I've looked at Tyrell Williams. I've looked at Sammy Watkins. You know, those guys have been on my, you know, once once we're past that, you know, I don't know how much more I'm looking at the wide receiver uh, position, but, you know, that's probably where I would, where I would cut it off from the guys that we just mentioned there. So, but we'll find out, like I said, we're in the middle of a best ball draft right now, Coop. It's the lightning round best ball championship. You're a co-host of the lightning round, a podcast that goes on. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing with this draft right here? Yeah, we're doing so. We're yeah, we're co we're doing a, a charity draft and uh, we're raising money. We raised a thousand dollars for for. Sorry, I, I blanked there. You got to cut this in Peba. But so all right, three, two, one. Yeah, so we're doing a a charity best ball draft where we actually raised a thousand dollars for the the Epilepsy Foundation, which is a, a charity that's close to to the heart of our co-host Kevin Tompkins. So we put together this draft on. My my fantasy league. I'm in the Thunder division, and I went Zeke Elliott in the first round. A guy that you know, obviously, no surprise there. Have? I had the tenth pick, so, so uh, Zeke's feel- still falling, still falling. Is Zeke Elliott crazy to me? Yeah, I mean, this is a a one QB league with you know pretty standard rules. There's tiered PPR, but it's not super heavily skewed towards tight ends or anything. So it's pretty straight league. So yeah, I took Zeke in the first round. In the second round, I took, you know, as we talked about in this episode, I took Devontae Adams. He's a, you know, I could have, in my opinion, I'm like, okay, I just got a wide receiver that could, a running back that could be the number one running back and a wide receiver that was the number one wide receiver last year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I like that pick there. The rest of my wide receivers have been, I took Allen Robinson 
with you know that's a high pick that's a you know you, you in the no matter what the format you want to take these safe guys first the sure. high end high floor high ceiling guys and right? let's call it qualify you start three wide receivers in this league and three flexes so mm-hmm. you know there's a yeah. lot of uh, a lot of players on your roster getting in this game right so yeah, this is the kind of one we were talking about before where it's like you don't want the Cole Beasley's in in the underdog because underdog is a you know you only start three wide receivers in one flex in this you start everybody so in this one you actually do kind of want those you, you kind of need someone to fill out the roster you know and we're drafting so early that you know you have no idea how what kind of injuries could happen over the next couple months i mean if you drafted this time last year and took darius geis i mean he was like off to jail you know what i mean <laughs> Corlin Sutton didn't play, you know, all these Devin Funches opted out, like all these guys didn't, you know, that didn't even play at all. So my wide receivers are Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. Then I took a couple guys I talked about on the show already, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, guys that I think are both going to play every down roles and they, you know, have, you know, they can make big chunk plays, which is what we're looking for on the running back side. I took a guy we talked about last episode. So I took Zeke first. Last episode we talked about running, or the episode before last, we talked about running backs that could make explosive plays. I took Raheem Mostert, you know, a guy that had the two fastest plays in the league last year. So, you know, that's a guy in best ball. I love him. And then I took two guys that I think safely are going to get enough carries to slot into my lineup with all these slots. Mike Davis, David Johnson, you know, and then at tight end, I have Mark Andrews. So I'm feeling pretty good about somebody to fill that one tight end slot. Later, I'm just going to stack a couple more tight ends on there just because it's best ball and you need a couple. But that's the way I went. And my quarterback is Dak Prescott, who I think that offense is going to be explosive. Again, when you take a high-end quarterback or a high-end tight end, now I only need to take maybe one or two more. Whereas if I if you wait on quarterback or tight end, sure, you get value elsewhere. But now you have to take multiple quarterbacks or tight ends just in case, you know. Some of these yeah. guys could get could get benched, you know. It, it gets scary. So, but uh, and Pembo, what what did you go with so far in yours? Yeah, so I had the fourth pick. We're through twelve rounds, as you guys just heard. I made my twelfth pick with Christian Kirk. I went Alvin Kamara fourth overall there. Again, I understand sort of the little bit of the quarterback uncertainty, but I'm hopeful, confident that it's going to be Jameis Winston there. I know that you know it's going to be different offense with with Drew Brees not not back there in terms of accuracy, but I still think they're going to lean heavy Kamara. They already talked about maybe even leaning heavy run game this season. So. I think there's still going to be plenty of upside there with Alvin Kamara. I will say that this this is this draft was a little interesting. Aaron Jones went sixth in this draft ahead of Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott. Like so, this draft did get a little interesting for me. Kelsey went five overall in this draft as well. We saw Kyle Pitts go twelfth. First round pick Kyle Pitts went 12th in this. I know it's a point and a half PPR for tight ends, but it seemed a little early. A lot of tight ends went early in this one. I'll run down the the rest of my team here because I have yet to take a tight end. So, Coop, I'm going to fall into your situation there, having to take multiple and just hoping to hit, but it's a best ball. So I can kind of get away with that maybe. So I went Camaro. I went Stefan Diggs in the uh, end of the second round there. Again, talked a lot. I like him. Chris Carson, you talk about a guy that doesn't really have much competition. He's on the field all the time. He can catch the ball a little bit. I like that offense. He's my RB2 in round three. Round four, I went Robert Woods. Again, I think he's just safe, and I think there is some upside there with the better quarterback play. If he can get some better touchdown luck this year, you know, with the yardage, with the better quarterback, I think we're in business. And round five, I went Mike Davis as my RB3. Again, you're starting two Running backs, we have three flexes to fill out. I like the fact that Davis last year proved very capable of being that lead back. They brought him in, you know, to basically replace Todd Gurley. 
Gurley was on the verge of getting the, you know, the double digit touchdowns, if not for the injuries there at the end of the season. So I like Mike Davis. In round six, I went Kareem Hunt. I went back to back running backs. I like Hunt for a few different reasons. One, we saw Nick Chubb get hurt last year. If that happens again, you have an elite running back play there with Kareem Hunt in the backfield. He is also involved in their passing game, though not nearly as much as I expected him to be last year. In terms of volume, he didn't really have what I had hoped he would be involved, but he's still involved nonetheless, and this is a run-heavy offense. They had a lot of two-back sets with Hunt on the field, so I like him as not only just a handcuff, but a high upside potential play there uh, as well in round six. Uh, round seven, I followed it up with another Brown. I went Jarvis Landry. Again, I know you talked about slot receivers and you know upside, but Landry, to me, I just think he's very safe. Another floor guy in a best ball that does have some upside. We saw at times last year as well. Uh, round eight, I went Trey Sermon. I went back to the running back well here. And I did this largely as a draft strategy because there's more than a few guys in this draft that were going zero RB. So I felt like if you start stealing some of the guys that I think they're waiting on, then their zero RB strategy kind of works against them at some point. If their RB2 has to be some team's backup, backup running back or a guy that is strictly PPR in a league that's only a half PPR format. So I was kind of taking a look at the board as in round eight and I'm like, all right, some guys teams only have one RB so far, you know, like when's the next RB run coming. So I went ahead, jumped ahead, Trey Sermon, a lot of good things coming out of him in camp. We already know there's injuries in that backfield in San Francisco and injury prone guys in that backfield in San Francisco. So for me, Sermon, I think presented at least in best ball, some potential upside Round nine, I took Matt Stafford. You know, you put out a tweet today, you know, who of the out of the top 10, outside the top 10 quarterbacks are you a fan of? I'm buying into the Stafford hype, buying into him, getting into a better team, potentially better skill positions around him. You know, this is a Rams team that was, you know, a year removed from the Super Bowl. A poor quarterback play it really did them no favors last year. So liking Stafford. Round 10, I went Mike, Mike Williams. I've talked about it. You know, I'll take him every time. When he's late in drafts, you know, round 12, I mean, a 12-team league, obviously. He goes in round 10. He's not going as late um, as he would be in a 10-team league like in BB10s. So I'll take Mike Williams. Uh, round 11, I did double up on the quarterback. I took Matt Ryan to pair up with Matt Stafford. There, again, just picking out the bye weeks. I like Matt Ryan. Even with no Julio there, if we think Kyle Pitts is going to be what he is, I don't see a ton of overall drop-off there. You know, Ryan's going to throw for a ton of yards, throw a ton of attempts regardless. So Matt Ryan for me in round 11, then round 12, I took Christian Kirk. So currently sitting with two quarterbacks, currently sitting with four wide receivers, currently sitting with five running backs in a uh, one QB, two running back, three receiver, one tight end, three flex format. Yeah. I love what you did with this team because you essentially, you know, this is the format where we, you know, talked about briefly where you need to have a lot of players that are going to be weekly starters. It's because there's three flexes, right? So you went out and took seven of those guys, like, and just got that done with. You know what I mean? Right. Chris Carson, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Stephon Diggs. Jarvis Landry, Robert Woods, that's seven guys right there that are all going to give you points every week, whether, you know, like they they might not have a crazy high ceiling, but Mike Davis is a starter. Kareem Hunt is going to get the ball. Um, Jarvis Landry, Landry starts, Woods starts. Landry starts, yeah. And then once, you know, now that you've got your roster filled, now you just go straight upside. You go Trey Sermon, who could just come come out of the you know, the, the job's his for the taking. I mean, I took yeah, there's, Raheem Mostert. There's a lot of, you know, Niners fan pages that are writing articles lately, like Trey Sermon could be the opening week running back, right? Like, right. you know, like that could 
perfect, beautiful, thank you. You know, like right. sign uh, me you, up. You know, like, I took Raheem Mostert because he's fast as hell. But I mean, DT gets hurt every year. He got hurt last year. He's twenty nine years old. So came you know, back, he, got hurt again. You know, right? Exactly. Right. Wilson's already hurt. They run. A, they use a committee of running backs regardless. So. Uh, so now no. you take those risks. Now you take Mike Williams. Now you take Christian Kirk. Now you take those guys that could be the second, you know, they could be the second target in their offense or they could be terrible, but it doesn't matter now because you have, you have your course. And now you take those, those guys that win you, you know, the, the league winner guys. So now it's, and, the, got and your... those two receivers and Williams and Kirk are guys that usually are the downfield guys anyways, right? Like they're right. the home run hitters in that offense. And now, even though they're going to move, you think they're moving Kirk into the slot. So maybe that takes away a little bit. Of that, but this is still a downfield passing offense, so I'm still okay. I mean, the thing for me is that if Kirk, like the reason I like Kirk so much, especially in best ball, is that if he stays outside, then he's a boom bust outside guy. If they move him inside, he could be the second target on the team after DeAndre Hopkins, and now he's a legitimate good fantasy option. You know, it's like he's already kind of a decent best ball option as the outside boom bust guy. If they bring him inside. Now you just got another. You, now you have two Jarvis Landrys, which you shouldn't have. You know, be, you know, you shouldn't be able to get another Jarvis Landry at Christian right. Kirk's ADP. You know, so that's why that's why I like that pick. And then now, you know, moving forward, you have your two, you have your two quarterbacks. So now yeah. all you got to do is take three, maybe need... even four tight ends. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, so I was going to ask you, right? So obviously this uh, this was the end of of round 12. I'm going to be picking again, you know, shortly once we swing back around the two of the three teams behind me also only currently have one tight end on the roster. So one of them, I imagine in their next two picks before me are going to grab some more tight ends, but on the board right now, tell me, tell me where you think is going to be maybe my, the best upside play, uh, Cole Komet, Rob Gronkowski, your guy, RIP, Anthony Ferkser, probably no longer in the conversation there. Austin Hooper would give you my third Brown. Blake Jarwin coming off an injury. Eric Ebron had 90 targets last year. Gerald Everett, I know you like him as a pass catcher. He's now in Seattle. Hayden Hurst, we know, is probably dead. What do you think of a guy like Chris Herndon? Chris Herndon on your board at all? Yeah, I mean, he is, and I think he's a guy you can get later, like a little bit of sneaky value. Adam Trotman already went. He already went. Imagine he did if those yeah, are the guys you're looking at. Yeah, he's not there anymore. So. Yeah. So I sent a tweet the other day. I, was there. Uh, I think with your next result. pick, if I if I'm you with your roster, I'm taking Cole Komet with my next pick, because if you look at what the Bears did, but if you look at what the Bears want to do overall, they want to have a tight end that plays slot. Like Matt Nagy comes from the Chiefs. I mean, that's the offense he's building. Darnell Mooney is his Tyreek Hill. Allen Robinson is a better version of Sammy Watkins, and they used Jimmy Graham. I sent a tweet the other day. They used Jimmy Graham. He was averaging 20 snaps from the slot for the first eight games. Cole Komet was averaging three during the last seven games of the year. It's It flipped, and Cole Komet was averaging 14 from the slot. Jimmy Graham was averaging six. I think Cole Komet has kind of you know carved out that role. He's the answer. It would be nice if Jimmy Graham wasn't there at all, but I think Cole Komet is a guy you definitely want to grab You know, at this point if he's there. I would normally suggest Austin Hooper to a normal team, but just you saying three Browns, my third Brown, <laughs> makes me want to, makes me a little hesitant about. I mean, you just don't want to get too invested in passing. Are you, are you believing? No, I sent you the clip uh, a few weeks ago of Dan Arnold's agent discussing contract with the Panthers, and, and Dan Arnold's agent was like, "He's not a blocker, man. He's a pass catcher. You know, he would have, you know, been like third on your team in catches last season. He had more yards than Larry Fitzgerald, and you know, all that agent speak. But then you hear things come out of camp, and apparently he's looking phenomenal." 
do you trust at all in Dan Arnold as a pass catching tight end in this Panthers offense? I know we're we're gonna talk quarterbacks and tight ends in the next week's episode, so don't yeah. don't give I'll it all do away. A, but... I'll do a little bit. Yeah, I'll do a little bit. Just know that you want you want to have ideally you want to have the guy that's a top two target on his team. We talk about this all the time, all the right? Time. And that's, that's for, fair for a tight end anyways, right? Right. But in redraft, that's like what you need. Like to feel comfortable starting the guy, that's what you need to happen, right? When you look at this Panthers offense, I mean, let's say Dan Arnold is amazing and he blows Ian Thomas out of the water. He's not getting more targets than DJ Moore. He's not getting more targets than Christian McCaffrey, right? Like we could say that straight up. Like, you know, he's probably not getting more than Robbie Anderson. So, I mean, it, it, then it's him versus the rookie for the fourth target on the team. In best ball, I kind of do like guys like him that have touchdown upside, but I'm not taking him before Gerald Everett, where I think Gerald Everett is pretty squarely locked in as the third target on that team after Lockett and Metcalf. And we know Lockett is kind of an injury risk. So I, I like Gerald Everett before pretty much probably any of those other guys. I like Komet, then Everett. I'd consider Hooper. I mean, you can tight end dependent guys in best ball is not the end of the world. Like I still, I kind of like Robert Tunyon. I, I hate him in every other format, but in this one, if your tight end scores a touchdown, that's your tight end for the week in best ball. You know, so I think Gronk's Gronk's kind of interesting too. Gronk so, is going. I, to I have, uh, I'll save the stat, but I, I have a stat on Gronk that I was using on people at the end of last year that we'll save for next week's uh, podcast. So teaser, teaser okay. next week's podcast. Yeah. We break down quarterbacks, tight ends. <clears throat> An interesting Rob Gronkowski stat for. Uh, those that maybe thought he was washed up. Uh, Super Bowl performance aside, Gronk was actually pretty decent. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Coop, any final thoughts here before we sign off? That's it, guys. That's it for me. We'll uh, we'll get back in. Tight ends is my specialty, so make sure you don't miss that next week. Exactly. Tight end whisper says tune in for Cooper and get him on Twitter at Coop Fiasco. Find me on Twitter at jmpemba777. We will catch you guys next week.